Good morning. I want to thank all of you for braving the first blizzard of the winter uh, to make your way out here today, taking your life in your hands. It's a, it's a very special uh, Sunday, every, every Sunday special, but this is, this, is a, this is a particularly special one um, for a couple, of, uh, a couple of families that we have here at the church that I want to call up and I want to pray over them uh, for two reasons. One, uh, for years and years of faithful service. And two, because they're both getting ready to um, go into a, a, a different phase, different, different, different uh, season in their lives. So Rodney and Brenda, would you guys come? And Jr. and Carlita, would you guys come as well? Uh, Jr. and Carlita, uh, you can turn around and look at them. Yeah. <laughs> They look better not to. JR and Carlita have uh, spent the last 21 years working with Chi Alpha. And uh, the Lord has, uh, that's, yeah. And it hasn't always been easy. But uh, uh, the Lord has, has, has put them in that field. And, uh, and there's been a lot of fruit come out of it. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't see fruit unless it's right in front of their face. But we know that there's a lot of fruit all over this globe because of what the ministry that J.R. and Carlita have had. And they, uh, the Lord has called them into a different phase. They're, they're going to be stepping out of Chi Alpha. And, uh, um, well, he's, we're excited to see what God has for them. Yeah. And Rodney and Brenda Boyd, some of you know them. Uh, they've, uh, Rodney, yeah, come on, bring it. Okay, for those of you who don't know, they're not booing, they're mooing. Uh, Rodney has uh, taught the Ruminators class for 27 years. Yeah, for 27 years here. Uh, and they f- feel like the Lord has, has, has called them to lay that down and, uh, and to move on. They, uh, uh, they'll be uh, attending closer to home. They live out in Rockvale, for crying out loud. Is Rockvale even in Tennessee? That's, that, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> and uh, as I was telling Rodney when we, when we met for breakfast, I said, you know, brother, I, uh, on a personal level, uh, this hurts. But on a, but on a, a level of hearing from God, I, I, I bear witness with this. And we're eternally connected. Not, nothing, nothing can separate us. So anyway, I mean, you know, two couples here who've been extremely faithful for over 20 years in ministries, and the Lord's calling them into new areas. So we're going to pray over them. Any of our elders who are here today, would you would you come and let's let's lay hands on on them and the rest of you? Just just uh, just stand up and stretch out your hand this way. Yeah, step forward. I think we're going to need to circle you, Father. I thank you because you are a faithful God. I thank you because uh, you reward faithfulness. In fact, when we stand before you, uh, the only adjective, well, good, but the only adjective that, that we can supply is faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, I thank you for the, the years of faithfulness that the Beckers have put in. I thank you for the years of faithfulness that the Boyds have put in. And Lord, it's not like ministry is over for them because it by, by, is by no means over. 
Uh, sometimes we're called to seasons of rest, but we're always called to seasons of fruitfulness. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that in the, the new endeavor that you've called J.R. to, that you would uh, open doors for him, that you'd give him favor. I pray, Father, that you would that you would send allies and you'd send ministry opportunities there. And, and Father, in, in, in the new place where you're, you're going to plant Rodney and Brenda, I pray, Father, for, for family. Uh, family's already there. I pray, Lord, for once again, uh, opportunity to open up for ministry, uh, for, for refreshing, for renewal. Uh, Lord, I thank you that, uh, that our relationships are eternal. And so, Lord, I, I, I just thank you for both these couples. And I thank you, Father, that, uh, that it's not done. It's not finished. Uh, it's just a new page in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, earlier Sherry mentioned um, Carols by Candlelight, Wednesday night, the most wonderful night of the year, and uh, I, it starts at 7, 7 to 8.15, and uh, so I encourage you to get here, encourage you to get here early if you want to sit down, and, and quite early if you want a good seat. So, uh, and she mentioned Christmas Day. You know, Christmas is actually a contraction. Uh, the word Christmas is a contraction for the Christ Mass. And so that day is really about coming to worship. That, that's what it's actually about. And so I encourage you that day to, uh, to come uh, 11 o'clock to noon. This will be our 29th annual year to do this. And I don't think we've missed noon by more than two minutes one way or the other uh, in any of the years that we've been here. So, you know, we're, we're going to respect your time that day. But this will be, be the best hour of the day. And then she failed to mention that also this afternoon is your last chance to see It's a Wonderful Life. So uh, 3.30 this afternoon, we've had some really strong audiences for this. And, you know, hopefully the blizzard won't uh, throw a bleep our way uh, this afternoon. Would you stand with me? We're going to talk about peace on earth for a few minutes. And let's read from Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace that are in your word. I pray that you would anoint each one of us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you'd give us a heart to understand and a heart of obedience so that we might fulfill your purposes on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Bring the lights down, please. President Johnson originally proposed an outright ban covering discrimination by everyone for every type of housing, but it had no chance from the start and everyone in Congress knew it. 
the compromise was painfully worked out in the House Judiciary Committee. In Los Angeles today, comedian Lenny Bruce died of what was believed to be an overdose of narcotics. Bruce was 42 years old. Dr. Martin Luther King says he does not intend to cancel plans for an open housing March Sunday into the Chicago suburb of Cicero. Cook County Sheriff Richard Ogilvie asked King to call off the march, and the police in Cicero said they would ask the National Guard be called out if it is held. King now in Atlanta, Georgia, plans to return to Chicago Tuesday. In Chicago, Richard Speck, accused murderer of nine student nurses, was brought before a grand jury today for indictment. The nurses were found stabbed and strangled in their Chicago apartment. In Washington, the atmosphere was tense today as a special subcommittee of the House Committee on Un-American Activities continued its probe into anti-Vietnam War protests. Demonstrators were forcibly evicted from the hearings when they began chanting anti-war slogans. Former Vice President Richard Nixon says that unless there is a substantial increase in the present war effort in Vietnam, the U.S. should look forward to five more years of war. In a speech before the Convention of the Veterans of Foreign Wars in New York, Nixon also said opposition to the war in this country is the greatest single weapon working against the U.S. That's the 7 o'clock edition of the news. Good night. Remember where I was the first time I heard that. Uh, unless you're a certain age, you may have never heard that before. Uh, but actually, you've heard the noise. Uh, I was in my Volkswagen Beetle on Gallatin Road in Madison the first time that came on, and I went, whoa, listening to it on the AM radio, WKDA. And, uh, and so when I was thinking this week about bringing a sermon about peace on earth, uh, that, that, that song came to my mind. It's, it's actually uh, Simon and Garfunkel's called Seven O'Clock News Silent Night. That song came to my mind, and I, I thought, yeah, yeah, that, that's... And so after I got through putting that video together, I, I looked at it and went, hmm, I don't know. That's, that's, that's kind of hard to watch. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't nearly as hard to watch as it was to edit out the pictures that I could have put in that would have made it almost, uh, almost impossible to watch. That, that, that could have been done without, uh, without too much trouble. Today, things are different. It, we don't have the 7 o'clock news in Silent Night. We have 24-7 news in silent night that's the real difference uh peace peace i'll talk a minute about the blessings of peace uh nationally throughout history men have have fought for the spoils of war and there's a reason why they're called spoils when you think about it but the spoils of war cannot begin to hold a candle to the blessings of peace the, the blessings that peace brings to a, to a nation, the, the blessings that it brings to a, to a people, to a, to a tribe. See, the enemy is the one who gets things by, who tries to get things by taking. And, and we have a tendency to, uh, we have a tendency to follow his lead. On, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, when they were getting ready to take Jesus off, Simon Peter decided, you know, we, I don't want him to take Jesus off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop this. So he got out his sword. And tried to stop it. And, and Jesus rebuked him. 
Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. Those who draw the sword will die by the sword. And you know, we know he says this, but we have a feeling that he's talking to somebody else. And not to us. The reason why we want to draw the sword, the reason why we want to to shoot the gun, the reason why we want to take matters into our own hands is because we want to take matters into our own hands. We want to feel like we're doing something. We don't really understand that flesh can only give birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And whenever we, whenever we begin to go, okay, God, I'll fix this, really all we can do is mess it up and make it worse. Peace brings prosperity. Bring, peace brings prosperity for all. It, it, it's a blessing, a gift from God. One of the banners out, out there is uh, Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. It's something, it's something that, that, that he gives. It's not something that, that we earn. As you read through the book of Judges, uh, you see a pattern. You know, there are some things in life that you can't get by directly going at them. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a, a spiritual biography called Surprised by Joy. And, and one, of the, one of the things that he recounted a, a, an incident from his childhood that brought great joy to him. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was just something, it was one of those things that kind of sneaks up on you, you sort of, and just all of a sudden you, you, you feel joy. And, and he realized from it and from later on in life that as soon as you start to analyze joy, as soon as you start to go, okay, what is this all about? How can I get, how can I get some more of this stuff? As soon as you turn the microscope on it, it goes away. It's not there anymore. You, you can't get it directly. And peace is one of those things. In, in the book of, of Judges, the pattern is repeated over and over and over. The, the people fall away from the Lord, turn away from the Lord, and peace is gone. The, there's, there's warfare. There's, and, and along with that comes, comes famine and distress and all sorts of things in their land. And then the Lord raises up a leader and they turn back to the Lord and peace comes back as they turn back to the Lord. It wasn't because they were seeking peace. It was because they were seeking the giver of peace, finally. Uh, and, and, and the phrase will be repeated over and over. You know, so-and-so led Israel for 40 years and they had peace. Led Israel for 80 years and they, and they had peace during that time. Every nation's golden age, if, if it has one. I, I'm not sure we've actually been around long enough to have one yet. But every, every nation's golden age is marked not by war, not by, not by expansion, but it's marked by advances in, in, in the arts and, and, and in literature and in, and in science and, and, in, and in peace. It's marked as, a, as an era of peace. Uh, just one example, Israel... This is a question. I, I think most of you probably would know the answer to it, but I'll ask and see if I actually get an answer. Uh, Israel's golden age. Who would have been the king during Israel's golden age? Ah, Solomon. That would be. My, I'd get my vote. That's what I'd say. And and what and what does the Bible say about Solomon? Nathan was. Uh, prophesying to David who wanted to build a temple to the Lord. And he said, no, you, you can't do that, but, but you'll, you'll have a son who will be a man of 
peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. And so during his reign, they had a a fabulous period of prosperity, a fabulous period, not just of of, uh, material prosperity, though they had that. I mean, it says that silver was not even considered valuable in Solomon's day because it was as common as as stones in Jerusalem. But they also had had a period of advancement in in, in agriculture and, and and, and in the sciences. People would come to to learn things and to hear from the from the wisdom of Solomon and in jurisprudence. I mean, justice, all, all sorts of things can thrive under peace. And then there's uh, not just national, there's, there's personal peace. There are those who would argue that uh, personal peace can be a hindrance to progress, kind of blunts your drive. I disagree. Um, when I've uh, first, when I got out of college and I first started doing some plays and stuff up in Nashville, um, that would have been 1974. That's 42 years ago for those of you who are mathematically challenged. Uh, but um, the, the city had two papers at the time and they had two uh, reviewers who'd come to do the plays. They had a gal named Clara Hieronymus who'd come from the Tennessean and a gal named uh, uh, Sarah Morrow, who uh, would come from the Banner, which doesn't exist anymore. And, and of the two, um, uh, Clara was actually the more insightful reviewer, but, uh, but Sarah had her moments. And the first play that, that she saw me in that kind of fit the character, so I, I took it as a compliment, but I don't think she meant it as one. Uh, the, the, first, the first play that, that she saw me and she went up to the director afterwards, CB, and said, you know, every time that guy comes on stage, I feel like I've got ants crawling all over my body. And I went, yeah, I made an impression on her. Uh, obviously. Uh, and I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. And it was probably, it was maybe 16, 18 months later that I started walking with the Lord again. And and the first play that she came to see after, after that 16 or 18 months, after I started walking with the Lord, she came up to, to CB. He was the same guy directed it again. She came up to him and said, what happened to that guy? She had seen me in a bunch of plays in the meantime, but something had happened. What had happened is Jesus had come into my life. And I had peace. It, it, it made, it made, it made such a difference that it showed. I didn't become a, a, a worse actor or, or less productive b- because I had peace. No, I, I actually, I actually think I got better. I think I've gotten better and, and better and better over the years. Uh, Connie got it. Thank you. I mean, Alexander the Great and Adolf Hitler might have killed fewer people if they had had more peace and been less driven, but I don't necessarily consider killing people to be a successful enterprise. Vincent van Gogh, one of the the greatest painters of all time, had he not been a a tortured soul, had he been a, a man of peace, I don't think he would have painted less. I think he would have seen more. I, you know, he already saw things that other people didn't see. I, I, I think, I think it would, there would have been even more beauty, more power in his work. The greatest 
musician of all time, or certainly composer, arguably is Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach, wrote thousands of, of, of pieces, it wasn't? And, and many of them masterpieces. He was a man of peace. He was a church organist for crying out loud. Worldly success is a two-edged sword. Peace is a gift from God. As, as I quoted earlier, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give the way the world gives. There's no gotcha in this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. See, complacency is not necessarily a byproduct of peace. In fact, it's far more likely to be a byproduct of what the world calls success. At least I would think so. If you got, you know, if you're, if your stomach's full, if you're, uh, you know, if, 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 if your cars are all parked indoors and you don't have to worry about if they're going to start when you, when you, when you go out there and, you know, you got, you're just worried about, uh, getting more room in your closet and, and buying another freezer because we, we got to do something with all this food, you know, then you have a tendency to not really see the pain going on around you, to not really care about, about the stuff that's happening to other people. That's, that's complacency. Actually, personal peace is what a wonderful gift. Have any of you ever had a fitful night's sleep? Have any of you ever had a night when you actually couldn't sleep? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? No, not at all. Uh, I'm thankful I haven't had a lot of those, but I've had a few of those. And that's, that's no way to live. That's no way to live at all. But when Jesus... When Jesus comes into our lives, when Jesus becomes, that's why I said, you know, where, what's the basis of your peace? It can be taken away just like that if the basis is the world. But if the basis is, is, is Christ, Christ in you, then it remains regardless of what's going on. There may be some, you know, the nights that I've had that have been fitful really have been few and far between. And usually they've been over, over stuff that was going on. But one thing I knew was this is a season. This will come to an end. Because this does, stuff does not define my life. Issues do not define my life. Jesus' presence defines my life. And if you don't have that, you can be as successful as you want. John Lennon in, uh, on, on, on the White Album, second side. Third song, I think, I'll give you everything I got for a little peace of mind. Because if you don't have it, whatever else you have doesn't matter. Peace on earth. When the angels appeared and they, and they, they brought the message, well, actually, I guess I skipped over a slide, didn't I? But we, they said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, this is the first time that the message of the gospel appeared directly, uh, unveiled. There wasn't any, oh, I wonder if that's talking about Messiah. No, this is talking about Messiah. This, this is proclaiming the gospel. And the first thing it tells you is that we have a Savior, and you need one. You need one, I need one. Anybody who doesn't think that they need a Savior is, is, is delusional. If there is a holy God, if there is a day of judgment... If there is a day of reckoning, then 
You need a savior because the only score that will work is a hundred. That's, that's the only one. And I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think there'll be makeup test or anything like that. And the test has already started for those of you who didn't know. And you already missed some stuff. So you need a savior. And, and, and the good news of the gospel is that there, that there is one. But the message of the gospel brings about an added bonus along with it. After, after that was proclaimed, we have a savior. There was a heavenly host that appeared and sang glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus isn't just a savior. He's not just bringing salvation. He brings, he brings peace. Most of you are familiar with Isaiah 9, 6. It's a popular verse this time of year. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will bring peace to the earth. And as with the peace that he gives us, this isn't the way the world gives. There, there are no gotchas. And it isn't a temporary thing. The, se- the next verse, verse 7, which we aren't as familiar with, says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I mean, once, once it's here, it's here. Bam. Done. Drop the mic. Really, one of the... One of the uh, the finest descriptions of it is over in Micah, one of the minor prophets. But it's a passage that's very familiar. He will judge between many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Uh, at Advent 1, three weeks ago, we talked about signs of his coming. And I talked about... Uh, uh, an imposter who will come first. Got a lot of names. Generally, most people know him as, as the Antichrist. And one of the things about him, and I don't remember if I actually said this, but I, yeah, I talked about him uh, needing to be successful. But one of the things that he's really going to be successful in is when he comes, uh, he's going to bring peace. They're, they're going to, a lot of hot spots and things going on in the world. They're, they're, going to be, uh, they're going to be seemingly resolved, and people are going to be going, wow, this, that's impossible, but he's done it. This is, this is great. It's temporary. And there's one thing that you need to know, and it's in this passage. Nor will they train for war anymore. Every weapon that's ever been created has been used. And will be used. And as long as they train for war, there will be war. So when he comes, when he appears, if you happen to be alive, if you happen to be on the earth at this time, the real, the real thing you're looking for isn't somebody who, oh my goodness, they've signed a peace treaty. No, you need to, they don't train for war anymore. It's all done. I, I have great respect, great regard for our, for our military academies. They're not just, they don't just train warriors. I, in fact, I was, um, I heard an interview a, a couple of weeks ago 
They were saying that apparently the Naval Academy in math and sciences is second only to MIT in the nation in terms of, in terms of what they turn out. When, when Christ comes, I don't know, there may not be school anymore. Yay! But, but if there is, uh, you know, they won't be... They, you go to the military academy to learn to be a scientist or learn to be a mathematician or hopefully learn to be a dancer or an actor or something. But they won't be training for war anymore. Christ will not only bring peace to the nations and to the world, but he brings peace to us individually. Luke chapter 7, I was just reading it this past week, and something jumped out at me that hadn't jumped out at me before. You know the story, Jesus went to have uh, a dinner, lunch, something with, uh, with a Pharisee, went to eat with a Pharisee, and while he was there, this woman came in, a sinful woman. I would, I, I'm, not, I'm not being um, sexist when I say, is there any other kind? Because there's no other kind of man either. But I mean, a sinful woman came in and she, she, she had perfume and she poured it on his feet and she began to weep and she, she washed his feet with her tears and, and dried them with her hair. And the Pharisee was over there thinking, well, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that is. It's touching him. And Jesus said, I, Simon, I've got a question for you. There was, a, there was a, a man who had two servants, and they both owed him some money. One owed him a little bit of money, and one owed him a whole lot of money. And he forgave them both and said, neither one of you had to pay me back. Which one of them you think will love, love the man the most? And uh, the Pharisee said, well, I suppose it's the one who was forgiven the most. He said, you got it. That's right. I came in to eat with you. You didn't give me any oil for my head. You didn't... Give me any water from my feet. This woman has poured perfume on me. She has wet my feet with her tears and dried them. I tell you, her sins, though they are many, are forgiven. And then he turned to her and he said, Go in peace. And that's what happens. That's what happens when, when Jesus comes in. There's, there's real peace in there, Robert. Yeah. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. He came and he preached peace to those who were far away and, and peace to those who are near. And he said over in Matthew, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. They certainly will. Because the ultimate peacemaker was the only son of God. And and to follow in his footsteps and to be like him, we have to be peacemakers. You know, and some people would go, here, I'll show you a peacemaker. You know, I got one right here. They're mocking God. It's not a peacemaker, that's a death maker. There is a difference. Some might, in this season of of miracles, lose sight of the fact that the ultimate act of peace was Jesus dying on the cross. Because that's what brings peace to us. And that peace that has been freely given to us, 
We're supposed to freely give to others. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pretend. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to be faking it. Okay, you know. I mean, I'm. I'm just like you. I, I drove in traffic yesterday, and I said some things. No, nobody was listening but God, and He forgave me. You do too? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I forgive you. What, whatever. Yeah. Because that's the way it works. You see? And yeah, actually, I was, I was, I was driving, I was driving uh, in front of the avenues, driving to Culver's. And, and there was, I mean, I don't know why God puts mentally deficient people in front of me in, in traffic, but but he did once again. And, you know, and I, I, don't, I didn't do anything necessarily overtly that this person would notice because I don't think they were paying attention to anything anyway. But, but as, as, as I was getting ready to turn into where I was going to eat, uh, it did cross my mind that they might turn in there as well. They didn't. They didn't. But if they had, I'm sure I would have been gracious and... and, and and I'm sure they would have been as well in return. Uh, I put in your uh, outline, bulletin outline there, the first half of St. Francis' prayer to be like Jesus. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, Pardon, we're so quick to take offense. We so desperately hold on to our offenses. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. In this season of miracles, appreciate the great gift that God has given you of peace through Jesus Christ. And what you have freely received, freely give. Would you stand with me? And with those who are going to, uh, uh, to pray with people, if you'd, if you'd come forward, uh, and if you're here today and you need prayer, prayer for anything, but especially for peace and you know, don't let pride stand in the way of peace. Because, you know, when I start talking about, you know, have you had a fitful night's sleep? Some of you haven't had a good night's sleep in months. In months. And you know it. And you would desperately love to have that. In fact, that'd be at the top of your, your list for things you want. And the enemy's telling you, well, you don't have to pray to get that. You, know? you don't have to walk down in front of people and, and, and they kind of go, well, I wonder, if, I wonder what's wrong with him. You know? That's pride. That's, that's, that's the enemy. If you, if you need something, and especially if you need peace, and if you don't know Christ, you definitely need peace. Come. Come. Break through that pride.